Hey everybody, this is Gene Marks and welcome to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. Really happy to have you here with me today. And I'm really excited for you to listen to this conversation that I had with Congressman Tim Burchett. Uh, Congressman Burchett, and he asked me to call him Tim, uh, is a Republican congressman from Tennessee, Tennessee, the Knoxville, Tennessee area. And in this conversation, we talk about three bills that he is sponsoring that really will have an impact on small businesses, particularly your company. The first one is the Opportunity Zone Extension Act. The second is the Micro Loan Transparency and Accountability Act. And finally, he's sponsoring a bill called the Prison to Proprietorship for Formerly Incarcerated Act. He also has some thoughts on labor disruption and what the government might be able to do between now and September when unemployment benefits run out uh, to, to help us find employees and bring employees back to the workforce. So, uh, Congressman Burchett, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So you are you know, either sponsoring or co-sponsoring three pretty significant bills that um, will be affecting small businesses. And... Um, you know, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk, give you the chance to talk about all three of them, um, give us a status of them as well, and uh, talk about really what your, you know, what your your estimates are of, of these actually becoming law. Uh, so the first is the Opportunity Zone Extension Act. The second is the Microloan Transparency and Accountability Act. And the final one is the Prison to Proprietorship for Formerly Incarcerated Act. Let's start with the Opportunity Zone Extension Act. So, uh, Congressman, tell us tell us what that is. Well, it's a bipartisan effort. Me and uh, Henry Choir out of Texas. It, um, these Opportunity Zones are um, are set up in certain areas, and uh, and and then uh, it was created under the 2017 tax law. And what we try to do is uh, with these, they try to attract investments in underdeveloped communities. And that's specifically in, in, in my area, it's in our inner city and in our, our rural areas. And they're usually large tracts of land that have had development on them in the past or, or just falling on disrepair that are, you know, that are back on the, that, that are not on the tax rolls most of the time. And um, it allows investors to invest in that and to further capital gains taxes in the 2026. Hmm. And before COVID hit, it generated in this in the whole country, it generated estimated 52 billion dollars with a B in new investments, and um, and created a half a million jobs. And you know, and and right now the, the skilled labor force, we're trying to find people jobs and. And it, there, there are plenty of jobs out there, but there's also some incredible opportunities. With that comes incredible opportunities. And I think this is a great time to extend that. And what it would do is extend the tax um, uh, deferral to 2028. And it helps these zones recover from the, the COVID-19. And hopefully it'll bring in another round of investments. It generates economic activity and uh, and and recreate some really good paying jobs. That's as I stated, it's bipartisan. So there's no nobody's trying to gig anybody and hopefully it'll be a standalone bill so it doesn't get a bunch of garbage added onto it. Um and and yeah. The interesting thing though in Knoxville, the area where I grow up, mm -hmm. there are areas that are they're just downtrod, you know, the buildings are falling over and they're not on any tax rolls. And um and yet they're not on the opportunity zones. Hmm. And at some point, would like to make sure that we, uh, on those opportunity zones, make sure that we extend it. 
because it's it's just investment. You know, it's 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 um if if they don't invest, the property just stays fallow and it just doesn't happen. Sure, and the jobs be created. But if if private investors will invest, and this and the encouragement there is to further capital gains to 2026, I, I just I just think it's a a winning opportunity for our rural America and our inner city America. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's when you think inner city, you think, you know, crime ridden areas, but it's not necessarily the case. It's just areas that have fallen on disrepair. And, and of course, in, in rural America, um, it, there's, it's, it's quite a bit of that as well. So um, I hope, hopefully this will encourage and spur on some investment. It's, you know, stuff like this isn't real sexy. It's not going to make the headlines of the Knoxville papers. It should, <laughs> but but you know, there's no shooting involved and there's no corruption. Yeah, it's just doing what we should do, and and, and it's um it's very frustrating to me that, that things like this don't get more attention and that well, it doesn't you know. The thing ahead. is, Congressman, is that the um you know I mean for the most part, small businesses aren't very aren't very sexy. I mean I I'm a CPA, so besides the writing that I do, I you know we have about 600 clients in my firm and you know they are majority b2b companies they operate i'm in philadelphia so they operate within the city and around at industrial parks and uh corporate centers uh you know they're manufacturing parts and all sorts of un unsexy things and this is the kind of thing that i know you know clients of mine would be interested in uh to have particularly in this environment where obviously there there's there, there's a lot of talk about capital gains taxes going up so that's uh that, that's uh you know, an opportunity, I think, for investors to defer those potential, you know, capital gains taxes. Um, just a question. So, you know, if I'm listening to this and I do want to take advantage of this act uh, when it becomes, you know, and if it becomes law, and I'll ask you about that in a minute, um, where do I go? Like, how do I find out where the opportunity zones are in my area? And then how do I actually go through the process of being approved for these kind of investments? Is this an SBA thing? Yeah. Yeah, um, the SBA and of course your local chambers of commerce will have listings of this. They do it through the census tracts, okay. and they um, and and it, it's it's public record where these are, and and we can um, help facilitate that too. But but okay. um, through the treasury and, and other sources, but it will be it will be public record, of course. Okay, it's not a secret. I think it's that's imperative that that the average investor. Uh, because some of the tracks are not big, and that they could in invest in in them as well and take part in it. Um, you had mentioned as far you know about the the status of this. So you know, right now it does have bipartisan support. Has this bill passed the House at this point? Uh, where does it stand? Uh, it has not. Um, we're waiting on passage right now. Okay. And um, uh, so hopefully, and then when that happens. It magically gets picked up in the Senate. Um, you know, I get frustrated with senators. They spend more time on television than they do actually um, doing working on television. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's that's part of the. I mean that's the name of the game. Yeah, and I realize it. You know, everybody's trying to get reelected and raise money, but that gummit, we get paid a stupid amount of money for the for the lack of work they get from us. And and so, I, um, oh, and also, Gene, call me Tim. Okay. I, okay, I Tim. Figured, Congressman, some eighty-five-year-old guy that ain't heard the what they ain't heard the gun go off, shuffling down the hall with a with his posse. I'm just, I'm pretty much solo all the time. I, I like to say that. I'm the 
I'm, I'm the 435th most powerful person in Congress. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, let's move on to the next bill that you have um, that you are working on that you've co-sponsored. Uh, it is the Microloan Transparency and Accountability Act. So tell us about yeah. that. Well, I, I've I've been in small business and you know, and I've I've done quite a bit of it myself, and um, uh, and and. I see what happens a lot of times, the good old boy network or the good old boy, girl network. Um, we don't, uh, it, it seems like a lot of times these loans and things don't go out to the people that they were designed to, you know, when we first saw the, uh, the original COVID, all this looked like insider dealings going on. And, and I'm a big believer in transparency. When I was in the state legislature, I received national recognition for some of the bills I had on transparency. And, um, and I think an honest government is a visible government, not something behind some uh, closed door in some smoke-filled room. But it, this is a standalone bill, and it passed the House with near unanimous support. Um, it, it just really just helps ensure that the SBA gives rural small businesses access to microloans. And that's also deals with our inner city, the small folks. Because, you know, you and I, we have... We have maybe a little capital, a little collateral, maybe a, a, a house or something or things like that we can borrow against. But a lot of these working folks, they are, you know, starting out a small business, man, they don't have nothing. Right. And and so um, um, and there's no incentive there for the SBA lenders, the banks, the credit unions to make these uh, loans. And I, I just don't feel like these people should be overlooked because of their location or maybe the color of their skin or, or the, the region that they grew up in. And this incentivizes these microloan uh, providers to make 25% of their loans to rural small businesses by offering them a 5% technical assistance grant. And so basically, it provides, there's, a, there's a commission incentive to do just that, to make these loans. In the past, they're sitting there and they don't make them, or they make them to some of their buddies. They say, hey, I've got these loans. I need to get them out. And a lot of, and, and people don't realize that banks are required to make certain amount of loans to um, to uh, uh, minorities or small businesses. There's certain parts of the law. I'm not sure exact, yeah. the exact numbers, but um, and they're looking for these folks, but they can't. They're not qualified and they can't do it. And this incentivizes them to go out and find these people because they are, um, you, know, you know, a guy needing a 15 or $20,000 loan uh, for me or you, that's just called the bank. And, and you come by and get the check this afternoon kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But a guy's got a little small business uh, side of the road kind of thing, and, and he needs to get over the hump. Uh, he, he can't do it. And so, and then there again, that, that stops that entrepreneurial flow that, that, that we're trying to encourage. And so this is, again, it's not real sexy, but it is small business. And that's where it needs and, and and that's where we need to be looking in this country. The big boys are going to take care of themselves, as you know. They'll have, sure. They've, they've got they they help some of them own their own bank. So um, we've had, uh, and and we've had, like I said, it um, it passed the House. So hopefully the Senate, in their wisdom, will take it up. They can see past the teleprompters. You know, you you know, it, it's funny you bring up a topic about you know making these loans available to small businesses, and and it it frustrates me as well. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, there's you know, listen, all the stimulus programs that that have come out this year, um, even the Paycheck Protection Program set aside like eight billion dollars 
for, um, for, for companies, small businesses in low to moderate income areas, um, you know, money for community banks and, and um, you know, other lenders like that to loan to these types of businesses that you were just talking about, minority owned businesses, rural businesses. And yet, like, it's been mixed success. You know, it's like there's all this money that's out there. I know the banks have the incentives to do it. And yet people are still not stepping up to take the money as much as, as what was hoped, which I think is a lot of what's behind your bill as well to make it you know, to give even more incentives. Why do you, why do you think that is? Do you think it's a banking issue? Is it a government problem? Or frankly, is it is it the problem of the small business owner that's not taking their own responsibility? I think it's a combination. It's just a information type thing. And, you know, we've got all these programs and the government will want to spend a billion dollars to educate the public. And it, it ends up ended up on some shelf. I yep. think it just you just got to be hungry. I used to, um, when I was in an insurance business years ago, there was a competition and they had a competition to name the competition of, of you know, how many they could sell of this. Um, it was, uh, uh, it was a, a, a lower level insurance company. I remember they were giving away stakes for every application you brought in or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls named it, and, and she wanted to name it root hog or die, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of, <laughs> That's kind of what you got to do out there, man. You got to dig for it if you're in small business because they're not going to bring it to you because you've got big labor, you've got big business and, and big banks. None of them want to fool with you and they'd rather see you out. out some, most, a lot of them would rather see you out of business than, 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 but every small, every large business in my area, Pilot Oil, um, the Royal Industries, uh, my buddy Teddy Phillips owns a company called um, Phillips and Jordan, and they were in charge of the cleanup of the World Trade Center when it got knocked down. Um, you know, they all started. I mean, hell, Teddy Phillips' business, his dad started with a pickaxe and a shovel, mm. and um, beat, and beat the bus started to Royal, and they they were those little boots that you wear um, when you have a, a broken foot, and then they do all the surgery kits, and they just it's unbelievable. But he started out of his garage. Uh, Big Jim Haslam, Pilot Oil. He started with one little, um, one little gas station in Bristol, Virginia. Now he's he's he just got bought out by Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. You know, all these people we got to remember started out as a small business, and we forget that. And and I think we need to encourage that by these type of things. I think the government should not be a hindrance. You know, it's supposed to be a safety net. It's become a gill net for most of these small businesses with all the bureaucracy and then. The rules and because they don't have anybody in Congress, you know, they don't have, I mean, they've got these small business organizations. I get it. And you go by and there's a sticker on their door and they endorse you and, you know, they raise a little money and they put out a newsletter, but really there's nobody on the street up there beating the doors down saying, Hey, uh, do something for these people out here that are, that are, that actually are the bulk of, of the, of the businesses in our country. But there really isn't in, in what I've seen, you know, in, in the committee, I, I served on the small business committee last go around, and, mm-hmm. you know, and we were more dealing with the Green New Deal and, and carbon sequestering and things like that than we were with um, with with small businesses. So I I get I get very frustrated with it, actually, because of the, the lack of attention that they're paid. So this is the Microloan Transparency and Accountability Act. It's passed the House. It's now hopefully going to be taken up in the Senate. And for those of you listening 
to this conversation. If you go to SBA.gov, what we're talking about is microloans, uh, generally under Section 504. Uh, I think you can borrow up to $50,000 under this program. And there's now even, you know, with this bill, and, you know, if it ultimately becomes law, will provide even more incentive uh, for lenders to get these loans out there. But in the end, if you're running a business, you have got to step up and take advantage of these things. Nobody's going to drive by your house and throw a bag of money on your porch. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> got to do it. That's exactly right. All right. So the, the, last, the last bill that you're sponsoring, because I, I want to make sure we're giving equal time to all this, is the Prison to Proprietorship for Formerly Incarcerated Act. Uh, so tell us, about, tell us about this bill. Yeah, I joined with Hakeem Jeffries. And, and honestly, if, um, if Speaker Pelosi were to step down, this next go round and the Democrats, which I don't think they will be, but if the Democrats were to stay in power, I suspect Hakeem Jeffries would probably be, be speaker from what I understand. And he and I went together on this bill. It's, um, of course, he's out of New York. It, um, it, it really just, it passed the House and not the Senate. And we've uh, last term and we're going to re, re uh, introduce it this Congress. Uh, we can get back to work eventually, but it, it Really, it, it provides business counseling and training to recently released nonviolent prisoners, um, giving individuals who paid their debt to society a second chance, basically just to achieve some economic and financial success through entrepreneurship. Um, it, the revolving door, it's uh, in Tennessee, I don't know where it is anywhere else, but in Tennessee, about 95% of the people who go to jail are going to get out. And so 95%. Yeah. And here's what they do. They go in, they qualify, they can weld, they can do whatever. And uh, and then they have they look at it. There's a box they have to check. It says, have you ever been incarcerated? And they say, yes. And then, no, they throw it out. So this provides them with some counseling before they get out and some help after they get out. And hopefully we can, you know, I'm a lock them up, go away the key kind of guy. All right. I'm, I'm, I am that guy, but I believe in, in redemption. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very good Christian, obviously, for the job uh, job I've chose for my career. But I, I, do, I do believe in, in forgiveness, and I believe that these folks, um, and, and to be honest with you, heck, a lot of them, they didn't have the opportunity of a, of a good attorney like my buddy Greg Isaacs. I mean, you know, they got... They just didn't have a, that opportunity, and and they hit the, you know, they're going to jail. It's just basically what happens. They plead a, a jail sentence, and and they get out, and they're better. And you know, let's let's be realistic about it. If folks want to work, and they want to weld, or they want to dig a ditch, or they want to work in a beauty salon, or wherever, you know, this provides them with some counseling for that when they get out, other than just. Here's your $25, a new pair of shoes. We don't want to see you again kind of thing. Right. And that's, the, that's really what we got in our prisons. And it's a, it's, it's a disgrace. I've, I've got some other ideas. Hopefully in the future, I'll start advancing them. If I can get this one out of the shoe um, for prisons and, and, and working and, and entrepreneurship and businesses. But this is a start. Is this bill designed more to to help prisoners, you know, start up their own businesses, or just to to train them so that they can re-enter the workforce? 
Well, it's actually both, and it actually works as a little bit. It helps at recruiting. Mm, um, right. If people can, you know, if they're entrepreneurs, say, I use the example of welding, but say a guy's a good welder and he's, he got, has a welding business and he, and he, and he, and he's helping with this program and they, um, he, he sees a guy or a gal that, that can do the job and he's that gum up. As soon as you get out, you got a job, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And I'm hoping that we can, um, we can turn our, these, these are for nonviolent offenders too. Mm-hmm. And we can turn some of those nonviolent offenders into, um, into, uh, successful business people. Cause I, I think I have a friend in Knoxville who, uh, who did, he, he was pardoned by president Trump. Um, I wrote a letter for him and mm-hmm. he is a, an incredible entrepreneur and he, um, he's, he's putting together a lot of these programs with these guys getting out of prison because he knows the, the pitfalls that they fall into. Where does this act? Name's Josh Smith. Where does this act stand right now? Do I? Where does this, uh, this uh, stand that you, you might've mentioned and I apologize. No, no, that's right. It, 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 um, we we got it out last year, but it didn't do anywhere in the Senate, right. of course. So we got to reintroduce it this Congress. So the plan is to reintroduce it. So all three of these bills yeah. right now, the Opportunity Zone Extension Act, the Microloan Transparency Accountability Act, the Pri- Prison to Proprietorship Reformally Incarcerated Act, these none of these are law yet. Some of them are a little bit further along than others, like the microloan one. Um, but these are three bills that you're, you're pushing through. Um, they all have to do um, with supporting small businesses, which is great. You had mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about, uh, you know, the difficulty that so many businesses are having right now um, finding people. I mean, Tim, I got to tell you, when I talk to my clients, they have two big headaches on their mind right now is finding inventory because there's a, there's a supply chain crisis going on, but even more so is, is getting people to come back to work. And so, you know, as a final question for you, um, I have to, you know, I have to ask, look, the, the stimulus bill is what it is. The, like, let's all stop complaining about the unemployment, the federal unemployment thing, because, you know, paying 300 bucks extra a week through September. It is what it is. Okay. That's just what the fact is. So what do you tell small business owners in your district when they come to you and they're like, we can't find people, we need help. What, what can you as our representative do for us? Uh, what can Washington do for us? Do you have any ideas there? Yeah, I actually, um, funny you should say that because that's exactly what I, t- every day when I see my phone, I, I mean, I, my cell phone, and I know when I see the name, I know that that's the first thing they're going to be talking to me about. I talked to a guy uh, two days ago and he said, look, you ought to just pay them the stimulus and tell them they can go back to work. And so I'm I'm working on addressing that. I think, you know, because really you're trying to stimulate the economy the money's going to go in either way why not let these people go back to work and still draw a stimulus check hmm. it, to me because we've got to get our economy back together and that's the only way it's going to happen is getting people back to work yeah i hear my friends on the left say well if they paid them a living wage well that's a bunch of bull there you flip hamburgers you shouldn't get 25 dollars an hour you yeah. know it's it's a starter or you know but i've got three kids and and, uh, you know, and a deadbeat husband, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, you know, you need a time machine. You made bad decisions. You got to live with those decisions. I hate to be heartless, but that's just the truth. Yeah. I've made bad decisions and had to, had, and it's cost me greatly. 
and, and everybody has, but we need a little personal responsibility in this country. And, and Uncle Sam just can't quit printing money out of thin air. And it just, you know, I voted against all that. I just, it just, it's just too much. We're paying people not to work. I have one guy called me, he owns a restaurant in, in this area at restaurants. And he had over 200, um, 200, um, uh, you know, he, he needed to hire 200 people. My favorite little restaurant on Middlebrook Pike, Wright's Cafeteria. It's been here since, I think, since the 60s. And um, I know I've been going there since early, since like 1970. And uh, and I'm 56 years old. So uh, it, it's been closed the last two months. Because one, they can't get people to come in and work. And two, these, these crazy regulations that we put on. They put these plastic screens up. You know, it's... It, it, it's just ridiculous. We got to get this country back to work. And part of it now, I, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but being in Washington, it's tainted me, I guess. I, I think there's a group, a segment of society that just wants to put more control under the government. And they don't like the freedom of entrepreneurship and, and small business doing their own thing, mom and pop businesses that operate off of a, off the breakfast table. They don't like that. They like a big block business where labor can control it and, you know, and, and they control when you go to work and when you don't go to work and everything else. And so we've, we've got to get this country back to work. Well, no I, question. with all due respect, I, I hope you're absolutely wrong with that statement because that would really be um, that. that I, I, do, I do, too. I hope yeah. I am wrong, too. Yeah. I just you know, heard too many say talk about it. Yeah. You know, one other thing you can, you know, just again, as an accountant talking, um, you know, we've been telling our clients about the work opportunity tax credit, which was extended now through, I think, 2025. And I've got some clients that, you know, when they're looking to bring people back, they're calculating what that credit will be and, uh, and, and sharing it with that employee as like a signing bonus, you know, and uh, that that's worked a little bit. So that's that's been helpful. Um, but I guess you know, your your other suggestion that you just said about perhaps just continuing on the federal unemployment benefits, even if people take a job uh, between now and September, um, as much as that irks me as you know as a business owner, um, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Me too. It, it it ticks me off. But if we're truly wanting to stimulate the economy, I mean that'd be like a um, you know it's uh, it'd be a double shot, yeah. a double shot. I'm going to start floating that out next week, see if we can get some somebody to move on it. Interesting. Well, Tam, listen, I want to thank you. I've, I've used up my allotted time, and I, um, you know, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, so you know, I will you know, be sure to stay in touch with you and, and follow these bills as they make their way through, uh, you know, through Congress, and hopefully we'll see them become law. And uh, I appreciate all that you're doing. Hey, brother. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure. Congressman Tim Burchette is a representative from Tennessee, representing the area around Knoxville, Tennessee. Congressman Burchette is sponsoring three bills that are running through Congress right now. And let's wish him luck in getting those passed and into law because they will affect small businesses. I appreciate, Congressman. Thank you for your time. For more information, advice, and help in running your business, please visit us at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. My name is Gene Marks. Hope you enjoyed this conversation and look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.